Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Morning, Saints. I love this place already. I love you guys. Hey, God's stirring up stuff in our state, isn't he? The old front range going to get nuked by the Lord. Hold on to your seats. You ready? All right, here we go. I am convinced God is so in love with us. Father has such affection for us that he won't let us stay the way we are. <laughs> so you're feeling a little pressure. You're feeling a little change in your life. You're feeling a little out of sorts. Hold on. It's just going to get a whole lot more dizzy. We are invaders in a foreign land. We're part of an invasion army. Put it in perspective. You're citizens of an entire different planetary reality. You've been given a citizenship that's from the king of the creation. To sit on our duffs and become profoundly American is not enough. Amen? Okay, so... When Jesus came and died, became a baby of all things. Talk about it. Amazing strategy. A baby enters the world to shake things up. Bring the love of the Father. Die. Raise. Sit at the right hand of the Father and give all that we need to us because of his affection for his Father first. A lot of our worship songs are all about our relating to God. I think we need more worship songs. They're just about God. Forget about it. God isn't God because how he relates to us. God is God because God is God. And he needs to be worshipped just because he's God. If he never did another thing for me the rest of my life, it would be his, it'd be okay from his perspective. I would go into heavyweight bitchy mode, you know, whiny mode. (laughs) He's God. And what I love about it is he is not impressed with stages and with people with, you know, big names and degrees. He is the God of the human heart. And all of us have been called as candidates, ambassadors into this kingdom that, that God has so beautifully given us. And I just want to, if we just start our little journey down this, down the road here, I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom, the church, and all of creation. And I want to put it in light of, I want it to be really on the ground. Are you okay with that? I, I don't want to get out here with, you know, all the big fancy stuff. I want to tell a few stories of what God's doing. But God is, is, is so busy right now giving us an invitation in the American church and around the world to look at the way we do church and how we see our own involvement in the culture around us. Because right now, culture is sliding The knowledge of God is going down in our nation, not up. The amount of pastors that are leaving the pastor, the amount of churches that are closing is increasing. It's a sad thing, but on the other hand, I think, okay, so what's the Lord up to? Is he letting the current, letting the the tide take something out to bring something new in? I think so. I really believe that with all my heart. With all the emphasis on revival and all the... Revival that doesn't touch the culture isn't revival. It's not about being in our rooms and our meetings and having a great time with the Lord. That has to be translated into the culture at every level. Every domain of life has to be touched by the nature of the kingdom 
of God and who Jesus himself is, an encounter with the living Christ. That is the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is amongst you, Jesus said. Absolutely one of the coolest comments. The kingdom of heaven is amongst you. And he said that when he came. He's still here. He's at the right hand. Sent his own very spirit here. And he says, I'm with you. And I'll ne- never leave you. Kingdom of God is very simple, really. Uh, it's powerful, but it's very simple. You, to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. You have to have the realm of his rule. And you have to have the subjects of the kingdom. It's pretty simple. And so the king has the rule. The, the ruling king has invaded us, his subjects, called the church at times, the assembly, the people of God, the family of God. And we, the ambassadors of this kingdom, dispense it into the unredeemed areas of creation. Now, if you're dedicated more to security than you are to obedience, you will never have fun in this life. You'll never have kingdom fun. If you're more dedicated to the security, even when it comes to our kids, the greatest legacy you can hand your children is to go where God tells you to go and do what God tells you to do, even with your kids. Yeah, but they're, you know, I'll never forget when the Lord led Monday night. We'd been pastoring, uh, doing the hippie church thing in the 70s, you know. We had freaks all over the place, and we were burning marijuana gardens, and oh, it was great fun. Ba- midnight baptisms, I almost drowned, got lost, went down the Rogue River. All I could hear was, we love you, Lord. And it's getting distant as I'm flying down the river, and nobody can see me because, you know, and, and the guy I was baptizing was drowning as well. We're grabbing for branches. Wild years, you know. Crazy stuff that went on in the hippie days. Had a baptism in a nudist colony. I mean, where do you put your hands, you know? When you're. And near the end of that season, the Lord spoke to us very clearly about going into, <laughs> going, just kind of taking a break. And we, we found ourselves on a beach in Hawaii at the YWAM Leadership Training School. And within a matter of one night, the Lord had called us through a beautiful relationship we had with a, a couple to go and move our, ourselves and our kids to Amsterdam, Holland, and to move into the red light district. And I remember our families were kind of going through some seizures over this. You know, <laughs> our kids were two, four, and six. And you're doing what? We had a garage sale, and a lady came over at the garage sale near the end of the day. She had talked to us, found out what we were doing. She went back to her house, came back across the street to the garage sale, just strutting like a chicken. She came right up to me, poked her finger in my chest, and she said, What do you think you're doing taking these three little kids into the, the wickedest city in all of the world? I said, Well... I don't know. To answer the, I feel like I'm obeying God. And she said, God schmod. She said, what about your pension? What about safety? What about security? And all I can tell you was at that moment, I had no pension. Working with hippies, by the way, in case you're wondering. My, amassing a great pension, you know. And all, all that I can tell you is the spirit of glory came on me. It was like, what a privilege. What an amazing calling of God that we get to go do something incredibly insane. Now, you can't make this stuff up. You know, you don't, get, you don't get to call yourself. You get to be sent. And so when he sends you, the grace is there to go. And when you, and when you land, and we did, we landed, we lived in a 350 square foot little apartment. 
We are above the, we were on the, the busiest drug trade street in all of Europe. We could hear the price of heroin and cocaine and everything else every night as we laid in bed. Bricks would come through our window from street fights, uh, missing our kids from time to time. We had to knock on the inside of our door to get out because people are on the outside pissing on it when we got down in the morning. So we made sure that no one was, you know, urinating on our door. But it's weird. You're knocking on the inside of your door to get out in case there's guys on the other side urinating. Our kids walked through the streets to be amongst um, hundreds and hundreds. Uh, There were 28,000 prostitutes. There were 9,000 male prostitutes. There were more live sex shows and more theaters than you can shake a stick at. And we walked a little band of 10 YWAM kids holding hands together. Us in the front, others of our guys in the back. And we walk in a little straight line all the way through the red light district every morning to school. And our neighbors were the Satanic Church of Europe. Many of them owned the neighborhood. They would walk, they would come out in their limos once in a while, put on these black robes. These are businessmen that were head of the Satanic Church. These weren't just some weird, freaky guys. These were legitimate Amsterdam businessmen that were part of an order of Satan who were determined to kill us, get us killed off spiritually, certainly in no other way. And they would, they would stand around our building and aim curses at us. And I want to tell you, we encountered a lot of stuff. You can imagine. We had sex education real early in our family. <laughs> I mean, when you're walking through the red light district and half the women have almost no clothes on, I mean, it assaults the senses. It's like there's no answer for there's no... And all we knew to do was to get grab hold of that promise that the kingdom of heaven is amongst us. We couldn't get Christians to go in there for nothing. We couldn't get the Dutch church to pray. We couldn't get... There were 10 churches in all of Amsterdam in, in 1981 when we arrived. 10. million and a half people. 10 churches preaching the gospel. Many of the other churches were just simply quite dormant. They were leftovers from the Reformation. They weren't preaching the gospel. They were just kind of doing church. And by the grace of God, we we made a covenant with the Lord. We will be family together. Hmm? I'll tell you what, any Lone Rangers don't make it in that environment. They don't make it. You've got to be so madly in love with the people you work with and so committed to stand with each other no matter what. That when you pray, your agreement at the human level is honored by God and he begins to come out of heaven and start doing stuff beyond what you can ask or think. Nine years of prayer every day, not one, per, not one prostitute came to Christ. Nine years. And I wanted to say to you guys here, don't be in a hurry. I'm serious. Do not be in a hurry. I think sometimes we use revival as a shortcut for the pain of going through the cross. And I want to say to you, God will not let you do that. If you love him and you do, you love him like crazy. You cannot use revival as a shortcut to get out of the orphan spirit and into sonship in Christ. It takes a lifetime. Amen? Got real quiet in here. I'm all about revival. I love it. But we've got a generation of orphans trying to bring God down to bring revival on the earth when they've got a journey with the Father to become like Him and become dangerous ambassadors of the kingdom. And it's more than signs and wonders. 
It's that where you live and where you work, you learn to impact over a long period of time the people who don't know Jesus around you. Adoption as sons is only the beginning. The injustice of you and I becoming sons and the people around us living in absolute ignorance of that fact is one of the greatest injustices on the earth. They need to know that your sonship will affect them. That now you're going to touch heaven to pray for them. That nutcase at work who refuses to give you a raise. You bummed about it or are you just putting a bullseye on the guy's heart and firing prayers to heaven for that person? I mean, it is fun to be dangerous in the kingdom. It's just rascally things happen. Mischief. It's just fun. I have a great time in airplanes. Sometimes, you know, I love to read my books and tell the Lord I'm too busy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your servant, but I'm kind of busy right now. I'm, I'm reading a science fiction novel or whatever I'm reading. Napoleonic ships, you know, high-masted 18th century. I'm reading all about those things. Please, you know, I'm busy. But I always say, okay, if you insist, if I need to talk to somebody, I'm available, right? That kind of stuff is important to the Lord. Let's go to the next slide. I just want to give you a little overview of what happened in Amsterdam. It's kind of a picture of what happens when we bind together, steadfast in prayer, in one accord, right? You've got to have the unity with the heaven and earth stuff, the prayer, the communicating. When that comes together, what happened in Acts 2? Spirit came. What happened after that? Something was birthed that took over the world. That's the order. He sends his spirit. While we're in the position of fulfilling the two pillars of the church, two of the main pillars, there's many, but the two big ones, that we're unified. We're actually in love with each other. Club membership churches never experience family because they're too busy running a thing. Churches that are kingdom-minded, and we'll get into this in a second, they're more concerned about maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace so that our prayers are not hindered. So that when we aim our prayers at something, we know we've got the amen of the saints. You can take that at every level. A marriage, a a life group, a small group, a, a a congregation, a family like this, the churches in Boulder and Longmont, the front-range churches, the more unity we experience in the Lord, the, I believe it's commensurate, it's directly commensurate to the answers to our prayers. And one of the insidious strategies of the enemy right now is to get the church so involved in American church politics and get them so involved in the everyday affairs of life and get us weighed down that we, don't, that we find it hard to look into Jesus, the king who has a kingdom strategy for our locations and for our nation. best thing you can do for America is become profoundly kingdom-like. We're fine to have our positions on the Democratic Republican. We're fine. We're okay. You can, you can go any direction you want. At the end of the day, you're more than that. You and I are greater than our culture. We've been placed in our culture to make a difference, not become a sorry part of it. Amen? So, 40 little folks sitting in a neighborhood. We became a praying community. We prayed every day. 
Everything we did was by prayer and supplication. We fasted. We prayed. We prayed for people by name. Nine years later, one prostitute came to the Lord. It was Yopi. And all of a sudden, the dam started to break. Dam started to break. Two of the high priests of Satan came to Christ. Um, all of a sudden, we, or we were seeing all that whole time. We were seeing a lot of drug addicts and guys coming in and out from India, coming to the Lord on a ministry called the Ark. It was on the water. It was a boat. And it was a discipleship house, and we're leading hippies to the Lord. So they were that was happening. But in the Red Light District, very little. We started renaming the area. We wouldn't call it the Red Light District. We called it, uh, we called it the, the Promised Land. Going into the PL today. Going in, you know, <laughs> going in with the Jesus bombs. Our, our, our kids learned how to do manicures for ladies, our girls. My girls were 9 and 11. They would go into the rooms with the prostitutes that prostitute themselves. And, uh, with, of course, with, a, with an escort, <laughs> a female escort. We boys can't get near all that. And they would do manicures, and they would just exude the love of Jesus. 9, 11 years old. You can either protect them or make them part of the team. And they're going to get beat up a little bit. It's going to be hard in your heart. My kids had demonic visitations. I had things move in the room. Um, fears, dreams, nightmares. It's part of the deal. It's part of the training. It's part of the equipping. As long as they have a tight family with them and over them. And that we do family with families and we create a wall of grace around ourselves. We can go anywhere and do anything God tells us to do, you guys. We cannot be overprotecting our children or we're going to raise a group of religious wimps. All righty then. <laughs> we had to recruit the church and said, hey, this is your city, dudes. This is your red light district. You created it. You, helped. you let this mess happen in your backyard. We didn't want to accuse anybody. But we would say, hey, if us wild foreigners can come in, why can't you join us? Come on. And over a period of time, they did. We had a move of God in Holland. We had... A, a, a move of unity in the church that was unprecedented. A corporate national repenting of the disunity and the fighting. In the Dutch Reformed Church, there's a hundred and some official splits. So you would go and you'd say, excuse us, <clears throat> to the board, uh, we don't like those guys over there, and we, we're filling out the forms for the official split. Can you imagine? So the board would go, yes, we approve the official split. You now may now name yourselves something else. And here they were, the church is just splitting all over the place, you know, like cells. Boop, boop, boop. The call back to be unified in the Lord. And we grew from 10 churches to today, there's over 400 churches in Amsterdam. 400. We are only working amongst two or three ethnic groups. Today, the body of Christ is intentionally targeted. 90 to 95 of the unreached people groups in the city with another about 80, 90 to go. The Africans came, the Nigerians, the Ghanaians, in direct response to prayer. They have churches of 5,000 people. The largest church in 1981 was 250 people. That church is of 5,000. They put, position themselves on the subways, subway stops all along the whole line. And every morning when people are going to work, they're on there singing worship and the Lord laying hands on people for deliverance. <laughs> they're nuts! There's apartment complexes in, in Holland. That one building holds 4,000 people. And the, and the foreigners have come in. The immigrants have come in 
So what do the what do the church guys do? They walk every floor, praying over every door, witnessing daily. That's kingdom stuff. They have decided to minimize the red light district is now officially being minimized down to a quarter of its original size. A, a Jewish mayor is seriously thinking now of shutting it down altogether. The homosexual, the queer nation, an international association of gays, has decided they'll never go back to Amsterdam for their international conference because the atmosphere has changed. Okay, let's go to the next slide. One, one lady came to the Lord. Her name was Grace. She was from Peru, uh, a mother. She had been trafficked. She had been taken. Uh, a bunch of her friends were taken. Made uh, their Spanish-speaking prostitutes on the streets of Amsterdam. And what an appropriate name for the first Spanish-speaking lady to come to Jesus. Grace. Grace got nuked by the Lord. And uh, led to the Lord by a 76-year-old lady with Coke bottle fit glasses who was told she was too old to do missions and came and became a secretary for us. She said, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I've got, to, I've got to get on the streets and start talking to the ladies. So she started walking the streets every day, bringing food and clothing for the little naked kids or the little sick kids. They weren't naked. They weren't poverty in that sense. They were just uh, physically and mentally broken. And... Uh, Grace came to the Lord, and Laura, this lady, came to me. She said, what do I do? I've got one of them came to the Lord. I said, is this what you've been praying for? Yeah, but now I don't know what to do. She said, I got used to kind of nothing ever happening. And now it's happened. I don't know what to do. I said, well, keep gathering them, you know. So she did, and two, five, ten came to the Lord. She came to me again. She said, now what do I do? I've got ten of them. I said, well, look, we'll work out the theology later. But in the name of Jesus, I now pronounce you the new pastor of the ex-prostitute Spanish-speaking community in Amsterdam. (laughs) Grew to be the largest Hispanic church movement in Europe. The sons of these ladies came to Jesus. They became the pastors of the movement. On and on it goes. Why, you guys? Because the kingdom of God gets outside the walls of the church and it does mischief. And there's a high price to pay, but the reward is so much greater. That he's happy, that he's pleased, that sons and daughters are coming to him. Amen? So we have this kind of a paradigm that's pretty strong in the West. Let me just go over it real quick. The center of a lot of the world becomes the church. The Christians are outside, and then the non-believers are out there. And we draw some pretty strong lines around that. And the goal is, let's get all those guys out there who don't know Jesus. You know, our, our job is to get to them and then get them into the church. So we have a lot about inviting people to church. It's all very church-centric. Let's go to the next one. Uh, what happens then is church life and the rules, and I've got to go to church on Wednesday because and the kids have the thing at the church. Please understand, these are not intrinsically the wrong thing. Not at all. They're not at all. All I'm questioning is, what is what what is energizing it? What is behind it? And then, what's the result of all this church-centric stuff? What often happens then is that when everything's aimed at the church, our church, my pastor, our thing, uh, it becomes comparative, doesn't it? It becomes comparative. All of a sudden, you know, well, I go to this church. Well, we don't go there anymore because... How can we treat the family of God like a club? 
We don't like kind of what the club's doing. So without any word, after we've been together for a long time, people just wander off. Because they've not learned how to live heart to heart and face to face. And speaking the truth and holding on to each other no matter what. Without that level of affection and love and commitment to one another, we cannot build the kingdom of God. We can't extend it. It's not attractive, first of all. People are not going to want to come somewhere and be part of something where they feel like their folks will not love them unconditionally. Amen? People need to know that you can do anything you want and we're going to love you. You can stand on your head. You can have an affair. You can do anything. As long as you're hungry for God, we'll walk you through. We're here about transforming people into the life of Jesus. We're here about discipleship. We're not here to have people put on a face and look cool and do the cool thing. We want broken people who have a hunger for God and know that God can take crap and make beautiful pieces of, of, sta- of structure and strategy, of um, statues and, and art pieces for the kingdom of God. Amen? It, oh, it was by mercy we were saved, you guys. While we were sinners, he died for us. The compassion that we need for sin. Leaders, what is the basis of the apostolic calling? basis of the apostolic calling was not power. It was mercy. Paul said God looked the world over for the worst guy he could find, and I'm that guy. And then he said he actually put me on a pedestal, not to make him great, But he stuck him on a pedestal so that he could say, I have unlimited patience for that guy, Paul. I want you all to know that. And I've chosen him so that you can know if I got him, I can get anybody. Had nothing to do with how great he was. He got rescued. And all of his life, then he would turn to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I was rescued by God. Father got me. I'm, I'm a religious fanatic. Not, I was not even a, quote, heathen sinner. I was a religious idiot. I was so caught up in my religious spirit, I didn't realize how distant I was from the heart of God. So, Timothy, what you need to know, First Timothy 2.1, is that God got me. If God got me, therefore, Timothy, I want you to pray for all men at all places, at all times. For God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to knowledge of the truth. Start with the kings and governors, for example. I love that. So who gets prayed for here? Where are the bullseyes? You know, painting bullseyes. You don't like a political position. You don't like some guy at the grocery store always kind of gives you time. Paint a bullseye on him and smile. Makes him real nervous. There's a strong sacred-secular split. There's a clergy-laity thing that goes on. You know, the clergy are up here, the laity are down here, and there's a big gap. All relationships start with our equality in value. We're equal in value. No matter what position we hold, we start as equals in value. Then he dispenses the difference in our gifts, and he establishes authority. This is how a marriage works. It doesn't start with, I'm the husband, you're the wife. It starts with, we're... We're, we're both in need of the grace of God, and he's been good to us. And I have a gift, you have a gift, I have a call, you have a call. And God has established the, the husband as the head. It's a beautiful picture of the loving head of our home. It's not about authority first. It's about equality and value. Send triple, everything kind of inward towards this church thing. Unity tends to be we're unified as long as you agree with us. You know, 
A lot of our denominationalism, I'm not opposed to denominations, they're just body parts to a bigger body. Denominationalism is when we get caught up on our way. Many and I went to look at a, at a log house, you know, see if we might build a log house someday. We did it once, we loved it, we want to do it again. Talked to a little old Baptist guy from North Carolina, he says, I want you to know, he said, Jesus never laughed. I said, oh, <laughs> he was never, yeah, he had no humor. I thought, where do these wild ideas come from? We have such crazy ideas in the body of Christ, don't we? But we have to hold fast to the head. That's the basis of our unity, not our crazy ideas about God laughing or not. Church life becomes centric. The church's vision dictates direction. A lot of times, what are we going to do? Well, we have to wait till the church or the church leaders tell us where to go. No, we have a leader's name is Jesus. He gives us the spirit. Church leadership is to hear God, work with us, and release the saints of God into the kingdom and the work of the calling that God's called each of you to. Next, next slide, real quick. Here's, a, here's another way of looking at it. The kingdom of God goes straight in, goes straight in. And what is it does is it makes ambassador disciples. And those ambassador disciples take the kingdom of God to the, all the domains of life. Look at the next slide real fast. You see the difference? When the church is centered, everything kind of comes this way. When the kingdom is centric, it goes out through the people of God, the church, into all the domains of life where the redemption is meant to happen. Amen? God's rule is the center, the sanctity of all of life. There's nowhere we can. I used to do my my, uh, sermon preparation in bars. And a bartender told me, he said, oh, you and I are a lot alike. I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He said, I dispense spirits, you dispense spirits. I pass with the guys at the, at the bar, and he says, you pastor people all over the place. I said, perfect, I love that. <laughs> kingdom of king, a kingdom of priests, not, not just leaders and non-leaders. This is a, we're all got access to him. Leadership is there to equip us and release us into the call of God. Amen? Your kids, please don't wait till they're older. They can be priests now. Centrifugal, everything is outward. Uh, unity is open sets based on the person of Christ. You see where we're going with this. You can see the difference. There's a shift in our thinking. And I, I just want to say to you, get back to the two pillars. As the people of God, make sure that you're in love with each other. It's one thing to have an intimacy with God, which is the most important. But until that intimacy translates to each other, uh, the effect of what we look for won't be as great. Amen? We have to love one another. It was the last prayer of Jesus, John 17. And out of that love for each other, it should translate into appealing to heaven to bring change on earth. I was at a Muse concert. Who knows Muse? It's a very well-known band right now, British band. I don't like most rock music anymore. It's left me behind. And I, I, my son called me and he said, I got a birthday present for you. I'm taking you to the music concert in Los Angeles. I said, great. Flew out there, went to the music concert. Stunning musicians. Stunning. Absolutely. I was envious for the church to have musicians at that level. I mean, absolutely stunning. He's a Juilliard-level pianist, classical pianist, and he's the 13th best guitarist now in the world, in, in known history, including Jimi Hendrix, the, guy, the head of the band. Amazing guys. I turned to Andy and I said, all I can do is intercede for these guys. I feel like they're searching for the Lord. I feel like they're hungry. Something's going on. 
And he said, uh, oh, man, Dad, let's... So we just stood there, and we were enjoying the music, you know, and we're interceding, and we're praying for him. I said, the drummer especially. There's something on that drummer. Two months later, I get a phone call from my friends in Tulsa. Muse was just in Tulsa. They had a day off. They were taken around in a, in a limousine, and God orchestrated that the little old, sweet little limousine driver was a lady, a gal, who was a Jesus freak, who had just gone through a 12-step program, so full of the grace and mercy of God. They said to her, what should we do today? Uh, take us wherever you want to go. And she said, I can't take you. She said, because my life has changed. I don't go to those places anymore. And they said, well, tell us about it. And she w- turned around to the be- members of this band and witnessed to them, led the drummer to the Lord, went to the, uh, it called a, a friend of mine who has a church in the corner right by Rogers, and they went in in the middle of, I don't know, it was like a Thursday, opened up the baptismal and had a baptism with Muse standing around. This just happened a week and a half ago. This is how the kingdom works, you guys. And it was a little limo driver who probably didn't like her boss that much, who didn't get paid enough money, who would t- be tempted to grumble, who decided, well, I'm going to step into it. She didn't even know who the guys were. Thank goodness. She wasn't intimidated. She just psh, let her rip. God's done so much for me. Amen? God is good. Let's turn it over to Walt. Did you enjoy that? <laughs> Thank you, John. And in just a few minutes, he put a summary on what we have been transitioning through for several years. Is moving from this everything being about us here to getting in relationship with the Lord, then with each other, and seeing it go out to change the world. We've been talking about the kingdom here for quite some time. And the role of the church in the kingdom, that the, that the church is not the primary focus, but the church is carrying the message of the kingdom to the world. And so uh, that's why missions has become alive to us, and we enjoy that. Resound goes out, and you, I think you know the guys here. I do. I love it. I would just like to ask you, as you carry this message from the Lord, this is, this is the Lord. Do we not want this? Do we not want the kingdom to manifest through us? I'm going to ask John before he steps down to pray and ask the Lord to continue to accelerate us into this and move us through this where this becomes a reality to us in every way. I know God has his own timing. I appreciate what John said. You can't hurry these things, you know. You can't, it's not, there's no shortcuts to this. And, and we talked last week about becoming an overcomer in the things that are going on in our life. And that's just the paradigm shift from from being centered on what's happening to me to letting the Lord move through us to be outward focused <laughs> instead of so inward focused about, you know, how are things for me? How is it going for me? So we're going through that. We're going through that transition. And that's what the pressure is all about. So, okay, Lord, <laughs> that I might know him. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So it's a death experience that Christ might live in us, through us, and be expressed to the world around us. So now I'm done with the second message of the morning. Sorry, John, would you lead us? Would you pray? I'd love to pray for you guys. Hey, let's stand together. Let's just receive from the Lord. So I pray that you, you guys here at Vine Life, might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Christ, that the eyes of your heart would be open to see the hope of his calling. The riches of the glory of his inheritance, our inheritance in the saints of God, and the exceeding greatness of his power to us, and that believe when he raised him to the right hand of the Father, and he became all things to us. And I pray that he would strengthen you by his spirit in the inner man, that you would grasp together with each other the length, the height, the depth, the breadth, and to know the love of God that passes your own understanding. I pray for you this morning that the Lord would calm your spirit to assure you of your sonship in Christ and that living out of that place you'll have the patience to wait until he does what he does with no impetus other than what he drives you to do from the inside. You may become obscure. You may become tired. You may become not what you'd hoped for. Put your trust in God. Collectively, the legacy of God in this place is not near finished. But you've got to pull together like you've never pulled together before. If you've held something against each other, go to each other, get it right. If you've spoken things, if you're one of those guys that walks around the edge of the thing to avoid the other guy who's also walking around the edge, seek each other out, get things right. If people have left in a bad way, pursue them, not to get them back here, but pursue them to get hearts right again. The unity of the church is directly commensurate to the measure of the Spirit He can give you. And so I bless you. I pray for you as a lighthouse up here on the hill for Longmont and Boulder that you would just really, really have fun. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.